The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited to get into this this morning. Um, Like Jenna said, we're going to be kind of sticking or jumping into this topic of better together. And and really the the, the message for this morning is, you know, not new year, new me, but new year, new we. And I'm sure a lot of us have heard that phrase before, new year, new me. And it gets kind of cringy, doesn't it? Right? Because, you know, we all know that, sure, you're eating healthy this year. Right? And that means instead of flour tortillas, you're going to eat corn tortillas. New year, new me, I'm eating healthy. Listen, we all know that by mid-March, you're going to be back on the flour tortillas, right? So there's no year, new me. You might make a pit stop in February for the half corn, half flour. But we all know that when we go into the new year with this new year, new me, all of these goals that more than likely they peter out. And I think the big reason why that happens is because when we're focused on ourselves, and just bettering ourselves for ourselves, we might get inspired, we might have some motivation, but when it's so inwardly focused, it doesn't bring transformation. And it's when we're together, when we do things together, when we, when we have a bigger reason than just ourselves to move forward, to grow, to change, that's where transformation takes place. And so we're going to get into that this morning, uh, starting in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, verses... Uh, well, 12 through 21, and then 26. But starting in verse 12, just as, uh, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. And so you can jump back into verse 13 where it says, for we're all baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, vegan, carnivore, whatever it is, whatever type of distinctions there might be to try to cause division and disunity, what God does is he comes with his spirit and makes us one body. And when that becomes our most important, our most primary mission in life, to, to follow Jesus and to allow his spirit to bring us together and to unite us, the different things that we think, opinions or trains of thought, the different things that we, ways that we view the world, when we submit them to Jesus together as one body, that's where we have unity. And so picking up in verse uh, 14, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Now, you might look at yourself, at your circumstances, at your situations in life. You might look at the different skills that other people have that maybe you don't have, and you might start comparing. You might start feeling that, I don't belong. Because of what has happened to me, because of what I've done, because I'm not quite like that person, because I don't have those gifts or those skills, I don't belong. They don't know anything about me, and I definitely don't belong. And the reality is, is that is simply not true. When you're in Christ, 
When you're part of the body, you belong no matter what. No matter if your skills and your gifts and your talent and your history and whatever doesn't match up with maybe somebody you look up to or somebody you're comparing yourself to, it doesn't mean you don't belong. And in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would be, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. In verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, when Paul is writing this church, the church of Corinth, he's clearly he's writing to a group of people where there's a lot of diverse backgrounds, a lot of diverse perspectives, a lot of diverse things going on, right? And so what he's confronting here, what he's saying is that if you're someone who thinks, I really don't need the messiness of other people, I don't need the drama, I don't need the burden, I don't need the chore, I don't, I don't need that part because we can function, we can move, we're thriving you know, as a hand, as a foot without it. The reality is, is that maybe you don't think you need that part or that aspect of being in the body, but what if they need you? What if the strength that you have, what if the experience that you have, what if the decisions you've made, take the uh, cool things that are going on in your life, are there for somebody else? When we can take the uh, perspective off of ourselves and how awesome we are, and we can realize, man, like this isn't just for me. This is for others. This is for the rest of the body. Maybe there's a part that is struggling. Maybe there's decisions that somebody else is making that is just destroying their life. Maybe there's things that are completely out of their control, and they need you to come in to shoulder, get shoulder to shoulder with them, put your arm around them and say, you're not alone. I need you. You need me. We need each other. In verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And I think the key thing in that verse is so often when I would read that verse, I would think, okay, what that means is like, I can't be failing. I can't be doing something wrong because if I am, then everyone else is going to suffer. That's not what that means. What it means is that if you are suffering, you are not alone. Just because you're going through a hard time, just because there's real things that are happening, maybe your own decisions, again, maybe something outside from without, you're not alone. It's just because you're suffering doesn't mean you're not part of the body. You are still very much a part of the body, and God has put people around you to support you, to love you, to be able to lift you up when you're suffering, when things are going wrong. You are not alone. Your suffering is not an inconvenience to God and to his body, because you're connected, it's part of it. And we're here to support each other, to lift each other up. And the cool part about that verse two, right, also, is that, you know, it says that if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And so if you're in a season of just thriving, right, and you're checking off the boxes and you're growing, man, that's an incredible thing. And we're stoked for it because it brings strength to the body. It brings strength to you, to the people in your household, and it brings strength to the church. And so if you're thriving, you're doing it, go for it. And when we see people thriving, even though we may not be, we may be in a suffering place, right? Celebrate with them. Get excited with them. Praise what God is doing, that God is being glorified in, through, and around people. No matter what's going on, we celebrate with each other. 
And so thrive, man, thrive on. So that's kind of the, the foundation, right, of what it looks like to, to pursue this new year, new we, is that we're one body, that we belong to each other and that we need each other. And whether we're suffering or we're thriving, we're still together. We're one body because of the Spirit of God, because of what Jesus has done. It's not just because we're really good at self-discipline or we're really good at, at pursuing growth and maturing. It's because of what God is doing. It's the Spirit of God that brings that unity. And it's that one Spirit that we drink from that sustains us and causes us to keep transforming into to who he's called us to be individually and as a church that goes out and starts influencing and affecting people's lives. So how do we go about this? Really, the first step in, in New Year, New We, and being part of the body, really it comes down to vulnerability, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, a couple of verses back, where this is Paul writing as Jesus is talking to him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I, this is Paul talking, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. How can Christ's power rest on us when we walk each day shouldering and carrying the weight of our shame, carrying the weight of our insecurities, carrying the weight of the burdens and the stresses of life, where's room for Christ's power to rest on us if we're not able to be weak, if we're not able to be vulnerable with our weaknesses? There's no room for it. And so I remember I was at a Bible study a few years ago. And there was, was a bunch of young guys that were all pretty broken and coming out of some broken stuff and some pretty messed up things in their lives. And we're at, sitting at this Bible study, and there's a particular leader that was running the group, running the discussion. And, and he starts talking about, you know, yeah, God's doing this in my life. And, and there's this thing that happened, and, uh, well, I can't really, I don't really want to talk about it. And as soon as he said that, I watched basically every one of those young men just kind of sit back and realize this is not a place for me to be safe or vulnerable I can't be open, I can't be honest, because the leader won't even be vulnerable, won't even be open, won't even be honest, right? And so there's this thought that we have as humans that if we're vulnerable, we're going to be, and we, our weaknesses are vulnerable, that we're going to be hurt, we're going to be affected negatively. But what I re- learned from that, uh, that situation, that experience, is that our weakness is our strength, Christ's power is made perfect in our weakness. Our weakness is our strength. And in vulnerability, we actually have protection. Here's why. If everybody already knows, what is there to find out? What is there to hold against you? What is there to use against you? If people know that I'm struggling, that I have an issue, if people found out, right, there's this thought that we'd be, you know, I talked about this a while ago, there's a thought that we'd be just wiped out and kicked out and excommunicated. But the reality is, is we're vulnerable and we're honest. We bring these things to light. What does anybody have against us? It's already out there. You already know everything. And we unburden our shoulders. We unburden ourselves from these things that we think we're keeping ourselves safe from, from other people. Because if they found out, we might forfeit the affirmation that we so desperately need. But when we're able to be vulnerable, we put it out there in the light for it to be exposed, to be, uh, to be, to be known, and our weaknesses vulnerable out there. That's where the Holy Spirit is able to start really working through God's people to bring that affirmation, to say, yeah, you're struggling. I've struggled. You have no idea. My marriage almost fell apart. You have no idea. I almost lost everything. And in some cases, yeah, I have lost everything. 
And God has been faithful. His spirit has been able to sustain me and to take what the enemy meant for good, to turn, or for bad, to turn into something good. And only through that vulnerability that can we do that. And our affirmation, you know, it'll come from the word of God. It'll come from reading the Bible and finding out who God is, what his voice is like. When we get into there, we start finding out what God thinks about us, right? These songs that we were singing this morning where it says that we are royalty, right? That's not just a cute thing. That's not just like a feel-good lyric in a Christian song. That's in the Bible where it says that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and we don't know that until we get into it, right? And so when it comes to vulnerability and, 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 and being able to be weak so we can be strong and having protection and being honest, that's where we start to begin to open up and allowing other people to be part of our lives. If we are just showing up on Sundays at community group, at other groups, and just saying, everything's good. What did you have for dinner last night? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I just want to go closer to God. Like, wh- how? Why? Why do you want to go grow closer to God? Why is that important to you? We, if we don't know, we can't help. We can't. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to support. So vulnerability is a big part of that. And the next thing uh, I would say would be humility. In Philippians two three through four, it says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others." And when we look at that verse, and we're talking about humility. It's, what it's not saying, what humility isn't, is self-deprecating. To talking, talking down about yourself, putting yourself down, that's not humility. That's a false humility. And what sucks about that is that it depreciates, it, it pushes down the goodness that God has in you. It, it, it starts to belittle the, the gifts and the talents that God has put in you. So humility isn't self-deprecation. Humility isn't talking ourselves down. Humility is realizing There's great power within me. There's great value within me. There's great power and value within each of you. And that's an incredible thing. And no, it's not from your own uh, doing. It's from the Holy Spirit putting that in you. And when you begin to walk out with that humility, you realize, man, I'm this awesome. And what this verse is saying is God made me this way. And humility, I'm going to value every person three times better than me. Right? At least three times bigger than this. Oh, that's a good line. Anyway. To look at people that are three times bigger than us, right, that are three times better, that's, that's what I think this verse is getting at when it talks about in humility, value others above yourselves. It doesn't mean push yourself down. It means be confident in who God created you to be and look at other people as three times or 100 times more valuable than yourself. And here's so, the cool thing about that. It's kind of like the, um, I think it was at Bible study or on a Sunday, Pastor Andy was sharing this um, dream that somebody had had. It was written down where uh, this guy saw, um, he was taken to like this vision, whatever, um, and he was in hell. And there's this, there's this giant table spread out with all this delicious, amazing food. And everyone's sitting around it just sickly and gaunt and starving. And they all have these six-foot spoons. And they're all trying to like scoop food. And by the time it gets to their mouths, it falls over. And then he's, the guy was trans, you know, saw another vision of heaven where everybody's same table, same food, but everyone's healthy and robust and alive because they're taking the spoons and they're feeding each other. These six-foot spoons are feeding each other. And so that's what this is talking about, when we can care for each other in humility and not put ourselves down, but realize, man, I have something of value to offer to people and to realize that they have something, the people around us have something to offer as well. It's important. Um, the, 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 uh, yeah. So the, the third thing in, in doing this, I would say, is responsibility. And Ephesians 4, 28, it says, 
Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Again, God has put greatness inside of you. The spirit that's in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, right? And that means that it's powerful and it's in you. And God begins to interact with the unique way that he's designed and created you. The different gifts, the different skills, the different perspectives, the ways of seeing things are unique. And when we can, again, take the focus off of ourselves of what can I get, what do I need, what satisfies, what fulfills me, and we start to realize, man, I can do something useful. I have something to offer, something of value to share with other people in need. Right? And what I love about that, and I see that all throughout, throughout our church, right? where, where people are meeting each other's needs, they're delivering groceries, they're watching each other's kids, and, and you know, they're showing up to help people move and, and showing up in emergencies and, and, and walking this out. The part that I love the most about it is that we're not just absorbing and consuming the good things that we're doing for each other. What is so awesome about it is that it's multiplying. When we serve each other, we're setting an example. We're not just giving something away for free and we just absorb it and yay, yay me, keep going, keep going. I just love it because we, I can see, you know, uh, people who have not a lot, you know, are, are saying, hey, you know what? That family that was hit by the, uh, the I almost said volcano, uh, the tornado, not the volcano, wrong part of the country. The family that was hit by the tornado, right, like a, a, a low, like, Let's get, a, let's get a golden Easter egg together for them. It's full of money. I mean, it's just incredible the things that, the ways that people are doing this, right? The ways that uh, people who seem like they don't have a lot to offer can sometimes do the most valuable, the most impactful things. And it's incredible because, again, I think the biggest thing in that for me is that people aren't just taking, not just absorbing, consuming. We're setting examples and it's multiplying and it's becoming part of the DNA, part of how we function and it's outward focus and it's just cool because yeah, God's doing stuff in us. He's changing us, he's doing all of that but there's a transformation that's taking place that is starting to spread. And so um, in Galatians 6.2, uh, again, it's Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, anytime you're reading the Bible and you see something about fulfilling the law, you see something about this is how it's done, pay attention. Because that's a big clue. That's a huge hint on how to actually live out this life, how to actually live out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus. When we carry each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ, and that's taking responsibility, right? That's giving without expecting anything in return because we know that even that person doesn't reciprocate, that they don't uh, emulate that example, they don't go and do like we've done for them, that ultimately our affirmation and our appreciation will come from the Holy Spirit. And so, and, and so just because somebody might not be giving back the way that we expect or that we want, be patient on that. Right, Because the word says that he who began a good work in, in you is faithful to see it to completion. We don't know when somebody's going to finally get it. We don't know when that's going to happen. And it's not up to us to decide or to try to engineer or to try to like guide. It's up to us just to fulfill the law of Christ and carry each other's burdens. Right? And so why is any of this important? Right? So you know, we're talking new year, new we. What, what's, what's the big point? What does it all go to? Jesus says this in Luke 19, 9 through 10. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. And in verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
And then Luke 14, 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come so that my house will be full. If we can zoom out from ourselves and realize that Jesus loves us, he loves our family, he loves our church, but if we can zoom out and see what is the big picture, what is the whole purpose and the whole reason for all of this, is that there are lost people. There are people that are floundering, that are drowning. There are people that are dead in their sin. There are people that are consumed with shame, that are being tortured by their regret, by their guilt, by the, the things that have happened to them, right? And they need to be able to see that there is hope, that there's a group of people called Christians, followers of Jesus, that can actually transform that can actually go from being hurt and broken and selfish and scared and ashamed and embarrassed to become transformed into something that has value to add to other people. That is us. And there are people out there who need us to follow through with this, to become one, to be vulnerable, to be humble, to operate with humility, and to take responsibility by the power of God, by the Spirit of God, to be able to do that, to show a hurt and broken and lost world that God loves them because God loves you. And that there is hope and that his house will be full. And so as we move forward, as we go into this new year, not new year, new me, new year, new we, plug into a group. Get into a community group. That's where the magic happens. And if you're struggling with something specific, right, finances, um, porn addiction, um, you know, your marriage is on the rocks, there are specialized groups that we can get you plugged into to help you to overcome these things because we cannot do it alone. Transformation will not come just by checking off boxes on our New Year's resolutions. Transformation can only come when we realize that we're part of this body that's united and unified by the Holy Spirit and that it's God's Spirit that moves in us to work and to grow and to change. And when we come together and we share each other's burdens and we do this, we will be transformed. I've seen it happen year and year and year after year through this in this church, and it's an incredible thing, and God's not done yet. 2023 is going to be an incredible year of new year, new we. So, God... I thank you so much for your goodness to us. Jesus, I thank you that this is all possible because you died for us, because you came and you went on the cross without us even asking for you to do it because you love us so much and you carried our sin and you died for our sin and you rose again, God, in power and authority and authority to be able to allow us to walk this out, God. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to each person here. God, I pray that we would move forward, walk forward, leave this morning, God, thinking how can I be vulnerable? How can I be uh, humble? How can I take responsibility? Where do you want me to plug in, God? Where do you want this to start happening? You're good to us and you are faithful. And we do love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.